Hello and welcome into another episode on the Labumba Pastors blog. I'm Lasumba Jonathan. Today's lesson is entitled John 21, Stricken to be Restored. And our text to begin is John chapter 21, verses 15 to 19, which says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you, would, where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. Peter is the apostle Jesus elevated above all the others. It's interesting, then, that Peter was also the disciple Jesus humiliated more than any of the others. Jesus, Jesus once called Peter Satan when Peter rebuked Jesus for predicting his suffering. Most of the disciples forsook Jesus and fled, but Peter was the one who especially failed by denying Jesus when he was on trial before the high priest. There are great lessons to learn from Peter and how God shaped Peter to truly be the stone on which Jesus built his church. The Bible tells us that God does this. In Isaiah 19, verse 22, we read, And the Lord will strike Egypt, striking and healing, and they will return to the Lord, and he will listen to their pleas for mercy and heal them. Notice that these two things go together, striking and healing. In Jeremiah's lament, he rebukes the priests and prophets for failing to strike the people with truth so they might be restored. In Lamentations 2.14, it says, Your prophets have seen for you false and deceptive visions. They have not exposed your iniquity to restore your fortunes, but have seen for you oracles that are false and misleading. Notice the only way these people could have prospered was through their prophets speaking truth to them. But instead of this, they preached things they wanted to hear. This showed the prophets didn't really care about them. God speaks of this type of leader like this in the book of Hosea, chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. It says, They feed on the sin of my people. They are greedy for their iniquity. And it shall be like people, like priest. I will punish them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. You see, they use the natural covetousness and lust of people to gain great wealth. It says they fed on the people's sin. This is what prosperity teachers do today. They feed on people's desire to be rich and they create doctrine which teaches people that they can be rich if you follow this doctrine, but the doctrine truly only enriches the teachers who promote such ideas. 
For a person to be right with God, they must be dealt with in truth. They must be struck with the truth about their own sinful condition. Hebrews tells us this about God's parenting of his children in Hebrews 12, verses 6 to 8. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. We see here that a sign that you are not truly a child of God is when you live in sin and God doesn't bring judgment on you. This passage tells us that circumstance reveals you are an illegitimate claimant to God's family. If you were truly his, he'd discipline you for your sin. Malachi describes the process of Jesus working on us this way. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 2 and 3, we read, But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Fuller's soap was an ingredient used for washing stains and impurities from cloth. A refiner's fire is where metals have their impurities burned off. Jesus once said that everyone would be salted with fire. God puts us in his fire to remove our impurities. You know two of the worst features a leader can have? Pride and self-confidence. Peter had both those things. The Bible makes a couple of comments on such people. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 26, 12 says, Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Those don't sound like good things, do they? They are the reality of pride. Pride is unique because it has no qualifications necessary. Anyone can be proud, whether they are accomplished or not. I have a lot of sympathy for Peter because I also know what it is to be proud for no reason. Peter was an uneducated fisherman. He was not a big man. He was no important person. And yet he had such confidence that he was able to rebuke his Messiah to his face about what was going to happen and argue with him about it. I understand this type of pride. I've never been the top student in a class. I've never been the most creative, artistic, wisest. I've never been the most or best at anything. And yet pride has always been a besetting sin of mine. That is why I can say truly that pride needs no qualifications except for sin in our hearts. Peter was a proud man, but he was God's chosen man. Yet, he was unqualified at first for his position because there were some impurities. I think we all like to be led by a leader who is humble. Genuine humility might be the most attractive thing in a person. We're much more likely to find grace from a humble person 
We're much more likely to be listened to by a humble person. We're much more likely to follow a humble person. So, what did Jesus do to make Peter the leader he was ordained to be? He humbled him greatly. We read in the story of his denial how Peter went out and wept bitterly. There's nothing that crushes pride more than failure. The greater the failure, the greater the wound. Peter had adamantly told Jesus that he was ready to die with him. But in the moment of trial, Peter took an oath swearing he didn't know who Jesus was. Jesus had said in his life that those who deny him before men, he will deny before his heavenly Father. For Peter, this was a crushing blow. But in today's passage, we find the beautiful truth for all of us as to why our Heavenly Father sometimes must crush us. Jesus asked Peter three times whether he loves him. How many times had Peter denied knowing Christ? Three times. Do you see the correlation in what Jesus is doing? And do you notice a change in Peter from the way that he responds to Jesus? At the Last Supper, Peter argued with Jesus that he would never deny him. Now, instead of arguing, arguing with Jesus or trying to prove himself, he humbly appeals to the knowledge of God. He says, you know all things. You know I love you. And then Peter is given his assignment as the leader of the church. Christ tells him three times to feed his sheep. He was recommissioned, Peter, was recommissioned after failure had made him fit for service. Friends, you and I each have rough edges and impurities that make us unfit for the service God has for us. Our Father doesn't just overlook these problems. He addresses them with his soap and fire. A few years ago, I lost the ability to control my bladder and bowels in a spinal surgery. I've had accidents in public places and in front of my oldest son when he was just a few years old, that were very embarrassing. Humility, therefore, has become much more natural for me through God's fire. I have other sins, too, that I see God working on me in, in the same way. I don't know what your sins are, but I know that you have them. God's striking of us is because he loves us. Proverbs says that the wounds of a friend are faithful. How much more, then, are the wounds we receive from our Lord? He strikes to bind up. He wounds to heal. He breaks to repair. Don't resist his refinement. Look at yourself truly. If you've been caught in sin and he's brought judgment on you, don't hide your mistake. Don't try to cover things up. Confess and forsake it so you can obtain God's mercy and healing. God bless you all.